Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's the guy who will never take off my COVID mask if I'm unconscious in a group of strangers, my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm doing great, James B., and I wouldn't want to get into any kind of legal trouble by taking your mask off. Um, I'm, I'm glad, um, because I wouldn't <laughs> want anyone to know who I am. I'd be embarrassed that I was unconscious in a group of people. Um, I'm not embarrassed about reading these amazing Spider-Man comics with you. I'll tell you, though, it's been quite a project. Uh, that's right, James B., but today's guest is part of an even bigger endeavor. Today we have Luke C.J. Smith. Luke, why don't you tell us who you are and what you've been up to? Hey, guys. I'm a part of the Marvel A Day Project, which you can find on Twitter at Marvel A Day P-R-O-J. And we have a group on Facebook you can join as well. We're steadfastly and stalwartly working our way through every Marvel comic ever produced, starting with Fantastic Four number one and working our way forward. That includes all the Spider-Man issues. Uh, we, in fact, just recently covered the issues we're talking about today, so I guess this qualifies as a crossover episode. I don't know if we've had a crossover episode or a crossover comic so far. Um, Luke, what do you hope to bring to our podcast today? Oh, what does anyone bring to anything on the internet? Snark, sarcasm, thinly veiled ignorance. You're going to get it all tonight. Eddie, would you be a dear and tell us about our first issue? Of course. The Amazing Spider-Man issue 64, The Vulture's Prey. The battle continues where we left off last issue, with Blocky Drago defeated. The Vulture brings the battle to a one-armed Spidey across from the Bugle. J. Jonah and Joe Robbie spectate until the Vulture chucks Spidey at the top of the Bugle, sending rubble onto Joe Robbie. Enraged at Spidey for injuring his editor, J. Jonah Jameson puts the weakened Spidey into a full Nelson, and the Vulture nearly finishes both of them off. Luke, Spidey isn't fighting at 100% in this issue. Your thoughts? You know, I'm glad you brought this up, Eddie, because uh, this is something that I noticed while we've been working our way through all the Marvel comics at the Marvel Today Project. Um, and you guys, having mainlined just the uh, the Spider-Man books being written by, by Stan, um, it, it occurs to me that like every third issue that Stan Lee writes, Peter has a cold or a broken arm or a broken leg or something or some other reason why the fight's harder than it's got to be. This is related to the thing I've been talking to Eddie about recently, where something changed right around the same time that John Romita took over. And the villains, I've talked about this, Eddie, they're not really these like super enhanced villains with powers. So just, um, it's that whole like uh, James Bond, spies, the Cold War, you know, the Russians. And I think Spider-Man just, he can handle these guys. Like he can fight these guys and beat them. And if you bring back villains he's beaten already, or you bring regular people in, he needs a handicap. So give him a cold, break his arm, get a concussion, which he got recently too. Give him some kind of injury. But yeah, he's, he's number two to Aunt May as far as being injured uh, <laughs> lately. Uh, all right. We cut to MJ sporting a new look and Gwen learning from her father that Peter was not at fault for exposing Captain Stacy. Gwen's tears of happiness turn to fear as she is told Peter is in the midst of the battle, raging at the top of the bugle. And now we have our special feature, the ladies of Spider-Man. Why don't you fill us in, James B.? All right, a couple things I want to bring up here. First of all, Gwen Stacy has been drawn better and better and better. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Peter being all in on her. She is looking amazing in these issues. Now, they did draw her with a permanent tear in her right eye. It's been with her now for like four issues in a row. It's very sad. Um, also, to make her look even more attractive and Peter being more into her, 
puts a lot of pressure on the other ladies in the issue. And of course, we just discussed it, but MJ decides to get those uh, those little curls. She's got the short curls look. Yeah. Because she's like, hey, everyone, take a look at me. It, it doesn't really do anything. In fact, over the next two issues, every time she shows up with her new look, people basically ignore her almost completely. And I also <laughs> want to point out on page 14, Betty Brant, not sure why she's still in the issue, but her hair is black. Is she trying a new look? Everybody Aww. really wants to talk to Peter these days. Everyone wants to get his attention, but his heart really belongs to Gwen, even though they just can't seem to connect. Um, did you notice that perm, by the way? What, what did you think of it there, uh, Luke? Uh, not my favorite. I, that is that is one unfortunate perm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it, it's it's doubly bad because, like, you know, MJ's got that iconic haircut, right? And so it just, I, I can't quite figure out who it is she's supposed to look like. I, I gotta figure some kind of a visual reference to somebody who was big in the culture in the 60s, but I have no idea who it would have been, so. I like that MJ look. I'm, I'm good with it, but I am, I don't want Gwen to take up the mantle of the permanent sad face like Betty was for such a long time. Uh, I'm going to move on. Uh, there's a moment in the battle where the vulture laughs sinisterly because he sent Spidey seemingly falling to his death. But his joy is short-lived when Spidey lands on a bed of web, plays possum, attacks, and destroys the vulture's wings power pack. With power draining from his wings, the vulture flies off, and we are left with an exhausted Spidey unconscious in the street surrounded by a crowd. Eddie, do they actually use the word place possum in the book? Or that no, just your... I just like that was my take on it. Who was, the ca- who was that? Was that the, who was the last time they were fighting? They were that like, was the a Doc Ock. He plays possum for the Doc Ock when he blows a hole in Aunt May's house. Yeah, and, Luke, and like Luke, he yells, you're playing possum. It's yeah. like he tells him he's playing possum. Like he uses that it's term. A subtle, it's a subtle reference to the past, actually. Uh, Doc, Doc Ock is such a good villain. You know, when I was a kid, Doc Ock was like a power villain. But you know who was a sucky villain? Was the Vulture. I would see the Vulture on the cover and I'd be like, this guy sucks. He's old. He's terrible. I'm not sure I feel that way exactly anymore. I'm starting to change my mind. Look, what do you think about the Vulture? I like the Vulture, but for some just real aesthetic reasons, like for whatever reason, and I could be wrong here, but whatever reason, I always feel like um, the Vulture brings out the best in Spidey artists. Like if you go back to like Ditko's early run, like uh, some sketchy stuff from him from time to time, but uh, it seemed like whenever the Vulture showed up, there's something about, I don't know if like the curve of his wings or him soaring into frame or whatever, but some of his best visual compositions were his, were his Vulture issues. And I feel like Romita really follows suit here. There's some nice dynamic stuff throughout the issue as they're fighting over New York. Um, I, I do find myself curious though, James B, is it, is it, uh, <clears throat> is it your advancing age that's causing you to um, <laughs> sympathize more with our... Our friend, <laughs> no, he's he's like the smart villain. He he's the guy who uh, back in one of his first appearances, he he told everyone I'm going to steal these jewels, and they all like looked to the sky, and he came to the sewer. And when he was fighting against uh, Eddie, remember he was fighting in the Sinister Six. Remember what he did to yeah. Spider-Man? Do you remember how he's he did the one, it? He was the only one that had a clever like trick to try to get Spidey to come at him because he had the note that told him where to go next. Yeah, no, I think he told Spider-Man, like, hey, I got the note. You need to fight me, like, handicapped, or else I'm going to destroy the note. Like, he's just smart. He's just a smarter villain. The only thing he ever has problems with is the whole, like, Spider-Man has these goofy, like, ways of shutting down his magnetism and stuff like that. Luke, doesn't the Vulture actually get the better of Spider-Man for a while in this fight? The Vulture really gets the the better of him, and uh, he just pounds the snot out of him. Uh, He even even, uh, drops something surprising. I didn't realize this, but apparently this is where Captain America got his famous quote. Uh, The Vulture tells him, I can do this all day, as he's (laughs) smacking Spidey around, eventually drops him to the street below. So, Eddie, 
What about you? What do you think about the about uh, the vulture? I'm not a big fan of the vulture, and I never have been particularly. But I will say he does seem to be able to go toe to toe with Spidey, and he has defeated him in the past, like straight up chucked him into a water cooler upon first meeting him, and he just keeps coming back, and he's always a really tough tough villain for Spidey to handle. So got to respect the vulture. I'm just wiser now. And I realized what a great villain he always has been. Um, Luke, you had some other thoughts on this issue, didn't you? I did actually, especially on the end of the issue. Um, so at the very end, uh, Spidey drops to the street and he's, he passes out and he's kind of left at the mercy of, of the crowd. This kind of, those were his words. I'll be at the mercy of dot, dot, dot the crowd. Um, and it really kind of left me with a, a real sense of dread. Um, it, so, you know, it's one thing to say that Spidey's kind of generally distrusted by the public, but as he's passing out, he seems pretty seriously afraid of the fact that he's being left on the, you know, left to the mercy of this this crowd of random people on the street that he's just been protecting from a, you know, a supervillain. Um, it, it kind of, you know, reminds you that, you know, it's kind of a thankless job being a crime fighter, especially for Spider-Man. Um and uh, he's, he's, he seems genuinely worried that people he saves are going to try to tear him apart if he lets his guard down. That's kind of kind of awful. Do you, do you think, and I know that you have a lot of comics with your Marvel A Day project that you're always reading. Do you think other comics end the same way that Spider-Man does, which is often, Spider-Man is often down in the dumps. This is a feeling we've seen, you know, a half dozen times that he's like, ugh. My life is, is so terrible. Do you think it, it's like this for, you know, um, Daredevil and Captain America and some of the other ones that you cover? Uh, not nearly as much, which I think uh, I think rightfully that's that's the, the big reason why Spider-Man is such an enduring figure, right? These early days when he, they really let him be the Charlie Brown of the superhero set, right? Where he's <laughs> yes. constantly getting the football pulled out from under him as he's going to kick it. Um, yeah, no, and that's that's you know ultimately why I think I like Spider-Man uh, as much as I do, just because you know for the most part, uh, especially I'll admit, Romita's years are they're solid, but they're not quite as imaginative as I think Ditko's run was. Uh, once once we get here to Romita's uh, era, um, it really is kind of that uh, that sad sack, you know, perennial underdog kind of thing that Spider-Man gives off that uh, that really you know appeals to me still even today. I actually sort of like this issue, but when I read it. I was fortunate enough to be able to read 64 and go right into 65. So to me, it felt like one story. I know that Ed used to have problems up in the cabin where he wouldn't have the second <laughs> issue of a run, depending on the month. These, I think you were safe from, because this was like a September, October run. Yeah. But Eddie, why don't you jump in and tell us what happened in 65? Because it really picks up right at the end of 64. All right. The Amazing Spider-Man issue 65, Impossible Escape. We open with Spider-Man motionless, surrounded by a mob, led by J. Jonah Jameson, that wants to remove his mask. Captain Stacy comes to Spidey's rescue, arguing that the mask shouldn't be removed without counseling a legal expert. J. Jonah Jameson, enraged but thrilled at the capture, stomps off to find a still-boozy, battle-worn Joe Robbie to help him print an extra. Captain Stacy raises an interesting question here, Luke. Does Spider-Man, a violent vigilante, have the right to remain masked? on civil liberties grounds i tend to think no i'm i'm uh i'm a pretty pretty big you know um so liberal would, in my own right but uh yeah you would run you would run up and unmask spider-man in this moment you know something i think that if i were a person who lived in new york city in the 60s and i was continually having cars thrown at me because of a fight between the rhino and daredevil or whoever um uh, if i'm you know continually being you know 
having giant purple men from the space coming out, down and trying to eat the city. Um, I think my uh, my tolerance for masked vigilantes would be kind of on the low end, to be completely honest with you. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to continue on. Wait, wait, wait. Eddie, do you do you want to weigh in on this? I mean, this seems like a an Eddie-type topic. I don't think I would do it, but it's only because I'd be so apprehensive. I mean, I guess I'd be afraid Spider-Man would, would wake up here, and I I don't know. It's it's too much for me. I don't know if I could consider <laughs> doing it. <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> what happens if you take off his mask and it's like an actual spider underneath, and you're like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't think I could do it. I think one thing Luke brought up is that it's based on the time being in the 1960s. I've always said that all the people in the Spider-Man comics, based on their age, have an opinion of Spider-Man. And the younger people all like Spider-Man. Of course, there's always exceptions. But younger people tend to think Spider-Man's doing the right thing and he's great. And then older people uh, don't. And they show that sometimes when they show the scenes of people reading newspapers. And the little kids are all like, we love Spider-Man. And the teenagers are like, go Spidey, go. And the adults are always like, hmm, he's a, he's a menace, you know? So I think it would depend on my age. And as Luke pointed out, if I was the, as old as I was today, I would definitely <laughs> cane my way over there and take off that guy's mask. Oh, my. Well, I'm going to continue on here, gentlemen. At the prison hospital, Spidey wakes up alone in bed. The former police captain continues to protect him from an unmasking while talking with the guards outside his room. A distressed Gwen, who had been unable to locate Peter earlier, calls her father, and as she's talking to him, he is taken prisoner by inmates attempting a breakout. Gwen is having a very bad day. Did you, um, Luke, did you, did you catch the line that Captain Stacy says to calm Gwen down? I did. So he's, uh, he's on the phone asking Gwen, and, uh, uh, you know, Gwen's, of course, been frantically looking for Peter after the big fight with the vulture, and she couldn't find him, and, and uh, he's, he's trying to calm her down a little bit. He says, uh, well, it may be nothing more momentous than a date with another girl. So it's, it's probably fine, honey. He's probably just cheating on you. Right. He should have said he's probably just hanging out with MJ. That would have been a much more tolerable line. But everybody's sort of plutonic. It's like reading Archie comics in this book. Nothing. There's hardly ever a kiss at all. We can read platonic. We could also read that this is just hookup culture in the 60s. And uh, Captain Stacy is just <laughs> remarkably tolerant of such things. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even like, I didn't even oh like Peter almost kissing Gwen in front of him. And he was like cheering it on a few issues ago. So, there you go. See? Yeah, I guess. I guess you're right. Cap, you're right. He's a little bit of a swinger himself is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. He's, he's been to some key parties. You can tell. All right. I case solved. Thank you, Luke. And that's all we have time for today, folks. We're just gonna... I'm never coming back, am I? <laughs> all right. All right. Enough about Gwen. And we need to talk, Eddie, about Peter Parker again. Actually, we're not even talking about Peter Parker. He's he's in the joint with a Spider-Man costume. And uh, as we learned from Alexia Lalan, the artist, last issue, he's it's easier to draw him in a Spider-Man costume. So, Eddie, what, what happens next? Spidey has regained enough strength to stand and see his ally held hostage, realizing he's still weak. He convinces the inmates that he will help them escape. James B., is this a good plan? Eddie, have you ever seen The Princess Bride? Oh, a little bit. Luke? What? A little Sorry. bit? Not Sorry, every everyone. not every year like I do? Come on. Eddie, you could just oh. mute your microphone. We don't need you for the next 30 seconds. Bye. Go home, Eddie. <laughs> um... <laughs> So Luke, you know what I'm you know when when he's in the bed and Wesley stands up and he's talking to um he's, oh. he's got the sword out Humperdinck. And Humperdinck. Humperdinck and he tells yeah. he tells Prince Humperdinck like, you know, maybe I have the strength 
to, to fight you right now and kill you, or maybe I'm completely weak and I can barely stand. He was going through the whole thing. Spidey stands up and he's like, he can't really do much, but he's like bluffing, right? This is like a big bluff. This is an amazing plan. Do you guys disagree? Oh, no, I'm, I'm all in. I think it's a great idea. And I, I love the fact that Spidey gets to kind of use his notoriety for once to his advantage. Um, you know, you know, everybody thinks he's a menace. So just just for a little bit, he can lean into that a little bit and con these, you know, these escaping, you know, convicts into thinking he's going to join them. I, I, I actually thought this was a really clever little piece of uh, business. You know, you could have said the last two issues were Spider-Man fights the Vulture, Spider-Man fights the way out of jail, but they still find a way to sneak in the little cameos from all the people. And, you know, if you had the epic collection, Luke, that I do, this is called The Goblin Lives. This is the issue that they use the cover shot for, but it's still about the goblins. They find a way to sneak in the goblin little by little so you don't forget about him while, you know, he's basically fighting a bunch of prison inmates here. Eddie, what happens next in this issue? It has something to do with the goblin, doesn't it? Yes. Meanwhile, Harry is searching the city, unable to find his father. We get a brief cameo from MJ while he openly wonders why his dad seems so disturbed anytime the Green Goblin or Spider-Man is mentioned. Hey, Eddie, I have a question. Harry seems to have quickly connected his dad with the Green Goblin. Does he really have enough evidence to do that, do you think? Considering that he's been living with Spider-Man for quite some time and really good friends with him, I, I was baffled that he would figure this out, you know, like, oh, why is my dad so concerned about the Green Goblin? And I, I really thought, like, this was way too much of a stretch. But then I, I went back and, like, read the couple parts before, like, when Harry was a small boy. We know his dad was kind of an absentee father. His mother died when he was very young. and And he experienced, you know dramatic mood swings after he had an accident which turned him into the green goblin and then a dramatic mood swing after he wasn't the green goblin and i just think harry is really in tune with uh his father because like clearly he's a super important figure in his life and as much as he lives with spider-man he's like whatever peter's just my roommate doing whatever you know he's he hardly ever knows who peter's going out on a date with <laughs> be it gwen or mj so I don't think it's as much a stretch as I initially thought. He he is keen on his father's emotional state and what's affecting his father too. And clearly, his, his dad's pretty sick. Uh, you guys got anything? I I think that's a great answer. I uh, I I want to know what's going on though. Now now you've talked so much about getting Goblin. I feel like this is his issue. What isn't Spider-Man still trying to get out of the prison? What's going on? <laughs> Uh, he is. Back at the prison, Spidey breaks out a window, destroys the fuse box, turning the lights off, and picks up the inmates one by one until Captain Stacy is free. The captain thanks him and tries to convince him to stay and stand trial, but knowing Aunt May could never survive the knowledge her nephew was Spidey, he swings off. We end with J. Jonah lecturing Captain Stacy and spinning the story so Spidey is the villain. Well, what a surprise. <laughs> uh, Peter says he is worried Aunt May can't find out who he is. Uh, did you want to talk about Peter calling his Aunt May? Anybody? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really feel like Peter whiffs it big time uh, on this one. Um, I don't know if you've ever like, called your parents in the middle of the night. Basically, he calls her and says, or she asks, you know, where where are you, Peter? Uh, I haven't seen you in a few days. And he says, uh, I can't tell you, um, which I don't know if you've ever been... <laughs> A young person who's called their parents late at night and they ask, where are you? And you tell them, uh, I can't tell you. That's not, that's that's not, that's like the all-time worst kid move, I think. Yeah, not satisfy my wife in the I, least. I, I, dis I disagree a little bit. I think 
if my kid is missing and my kid calls and says, dad, I'm all right. My first thought is, thank God, where are you? And if they say, I can't tell you, I'm not thinking like, you shouldn't have called me. He's been gone a long time. She should have at least been like, thank you for calling. She should be happier. I, I think you guys are wrong. <laughs> she should be happier that, uh, that he's doing something so bad that he can't tell her about it. I mean, they think he's missing. I mean, in fact, I believe Gwen thinks that Peter might have been hurt by not just a vulture, but also by Spider-Man. Like, they all think something happened to him on the roof of this building. They, he's just gone. I don't think we have evidence that Aunt May knew about that. I mean, for all we know, she was like perfectly fine doing her crossword puzzle, and now she's having a heart attack. Thank you, Peter. Aunt May doesn't recognize MJ when she comes to the door, all right? So this is not uh, a person we can really rely on information. Truth. I would I would describe this as the second most stress call. Uh, if you remember long ago, Peter called Aunt May as a, like, horde of gangsters were trying to break down the door and he's like yeah i'm fine aunt may it's a good thing she can't hear any background noise right uh gentlemen we have to uh we have to deal with some sponsor business is this a good time for you too oh, oh yeah lord yes okay great eddie are you tired of being bothered when you just want a little time to relax are you tired of getting in trouble when things go wrong yes actually well eddie a quick solution to your problem is to get a ginchy new hairdo with the Smurd Yakov Special Edition Supersonic Hair Dryer, which you can use at home. Eddie, if your kids are trying to bother you because they have no one to play with, boom, get your new hairdo, you'll be unrecognizable. Oh no, trouble at work, they're gonna blame you, boom, get your new hairdo. Hey, where did Eddie go? Eddie, the Smurd Yakov Special Edition Supersonic Hair Dryer comes in Prussian blue, or rich red copper. Ooh, that would look nice. It comes with intelligent heat control engineered for different hair types and is, you like this, acoustically tuned. So become someone better than yourself. Get a Ginchy New You today. Available at Ulta Beauty and at exclusive Madison Ed jewelry shops. What do you say, Eddie? You know, I have a little trouble with the word Ginchy. I, I don't know if I could define that word clearly. So... I must say that sets me off to perhaps not get this uh, hairdo. I, I don't, I don't know, James B. I, I wouldn't call myself a icon of fashion either. So, but this is a way that you can, like, you don't, you don't look like yourself anymore. People don't recognize you. Luke, can you explain to him why this is a good product? Oh, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience. I have a Ginchy new hairdo actually, and oh. I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was speeding the other day, and the cops pulled me over. And in St. Louis, that's that's a real serious problem. Um, but uh, I, 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 because of my Ginchy new hairdo, the cop was very confused. He thought the car was driving itself, and he just eventually wandered off and figured he <laughs> couldn't do anything about it. So uh, because robot cars, and you know, so, wow. so yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, 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 I'm, I will swear by my Ginchy new hairdo, uh, left, right, and center. I'm going to leave that Ginchy hairdo to just Luke, I think. I'm going to pass James B. Sorry. Hey, next time I'm on the uh, Marvel uh, A Day Twitter feed and I see this Smed Yakov special edition supersonic hairdryer ad, I'll know why it's there. You know what I'm saying? So, perfect. One satisfied customer. That's right. Go to smidyakov.com slash let's read Spider-Man for 10% off today. <laughs> Actually, it's real expensive, too. I don't know if you guys know. It's like It's like $430. Oh my! Because yeah, can... I hope that's not in 1960s. 60s no, 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 no. It's, <laughs> it's because you have to. I mean, it it changes your look completely. It, I mean, this is not this is not coming from the Tinker's Repair Shop. Actually, you don't you expensive. don't know who Smerdyakov is. I don't really tell you, but it is someone who's affiliated with, with 
you know. Eddie, it's the All chameleon. Right. It's the chameleon. Oh, yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> James uh, It's okay. What a sponsor. Well, well done, James B., even if they don't return. Uh, Luke, what was the best part of this issue? Well, I can tell you the worst part of the issue. Can I start there? Sure. The worst part of the issue for me is anytime Mary Jane says anything. Um, because I just cannot stand her dialogue. Uh, it's, it's, every time she opens her mouth, I hear her saying it in Stan Lee's aging hipster voice. Uh, it just, it just smacks of like Stan Lee's persona, but in an attractive young woman. And it's just like weirds me out. So that's, uh, that's, that was my, my major, my major sticking point for issue 65. Um, I'm going to say the best part of this issue when I came away with this, we sometimes do a summary of all the issues, and I, I would say, like, boy, Captain Stacy is all in on Spider-Man. He is, he is, I know that he's not going to find out who Spider-Man is because he doesn't want to reveal the situation with Aunt May, but boy, he's got, he's got Captain Stacy as much as he has Doc Connors, in my opinion. It's incredible how much time he has devoted, and he had the opportunity to figure out who Spider-Man was, and he passed on it. I mean... I don't. Is the, what an upstanding individual, I guess. I don't know what you call that. Am I wrong in kind of look, reading between the lines a little bit and thinking he kind of knows who Spider-Man is already? Because, I mean, I just feel like at any given point here in the issue, he feels like he's, you know, looking for excuses to not unmask Spider-Man or not, you know, hold Spider-Man, you know, too accountable here. Not making, you know, he could have, I think, feel like he could have start, tried a little harder to keep him in the prison, for example, at the end. I just, I just find myself wondering if he has like kind of a Jim Gordon and Batman kind of relationship where he's, yeah, he totally knows, but he's not going to let on kind of thing. I think, I think he know he feels I think it's more like a, I think I know, I think Spider-Man knows me, but I don't know who he is kind of feeling. Hmm. I feel like it feels like someone close to him, but we don't know if he thinks it's the paper boy or the baker down the street versus the one guy that we see in the issue. You know what I mean? I think he just feels like it's someone in his life, but he just can't put his finger on it. That's my opinion. Hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Eddie, what's your uh, best part of these issues? Oh, you guys let me steal the best part. James B., please read the J. Jonah line from page four. Oh, J. Jonah. <laughs> Personally, I can't send anyone who carries a grudge. <laughs> I, there is no better part of this issue than <laughs> the a, greatest of ironies. <laughs> such a great line. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, just spineless bully. That's that's J. Jonah James. Like, come on. Just... <laughs> and Joe Robbie, did you see Joe Robbie dives and saves J. Jonah? And while Joe Robbie is, like, receiving medical <laughs> help, J. Jonah Jameson shows up and he's like, we need to print an extra. I'm like, the man just saved your life, he, J. He, Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Robbie's also laying on the ground and, like, he's like, I'm going to go unmask him. And he's like, no, don't do it, J. Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> Dying. <laughs> so... <laughs> all right, we are we are starting to run out of time. We could do this all day. This is this has been a lot of fun. But uh, actually, why Eddie? Why don't you tell them? I always do this part. Um, uh, you could reach us at let's read Spiderman at gmail dot com or at let's read Spidey on Twitter. And how about Luke? You can find us at Mar the Marvel A Day Project on Twitter at Marvel A Day P R O J, or you can look us up on Facebook. We have a group there. We'd love to see you. And we're going to wrap things up here, Luke. If uh, you're able to we'd love you to do the close for us and remember listeners it's probably fine he's probably just cheating on you right. goodbye goodbye bye
I I completely love the thought of James B identifying the vulture as being like it's not too late. I could still be a supervillain myself. Mm. <laughs> there's there's, there's, a, there's a, a big market, I'm sure. I'm sure for aging super aging supervillains. Go go for it. Hey, you know, like I just had one other one on page 18 of this last one we read. Captain Stacy's eyes and the criminal's eyes are oh, like right. so scary to me. <laughs> It Which makes page? Me think way back to like it's on page eighteen. It makes me think of Amazing Fantasy fifteen when he like looks at the criminal and his eyes. Oh, I hate that! Through. God, I hate that so much. That is so memorable to me. It scares me. Like when I look at it, it just seems it's so cartoony. It's just I don't know. That always bugs me. It's like like they, they weren't they didn't trust Ditko enough to basically convey that you know Spider Man is looking at something or what that was. I don't yeah, know. Do you, do you think Stanley like went over his shoulder and like dotted it with the pennies? Like there you're yes. done now. Yes. <laughs> That is that is just a Bic fountain pen dot dot yeah. <laughs> okay, so Stanley and Steve Ditko were the co-writers and co-artists of the first issue. Uh, you, okay. you did that first issue a long time ago. You're supposed to be doing all the Marvel. There, is there less Marvel issues than there are days of your life? You know what I'm saying? Good question. You know what? Hang, hold on, hold we, on the line. We got time. It's 80,300 80, days. So 80,300 divided by, where's my phone? It's not going to be good. Oh, no, no, no. Would you like, would you care to guess? Um, well, uh, Eddie, I'll just do it with you real quick. Oh. I mean, t- ten, in 10 years, you would do like uh, 3,650, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. and then, so then you just, you could triple that and say in 30 years, you could do 10,000. Um, so he said you want to do 80,000, so I'm thinking 240 years. Darn close, 220. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>